Hello, lovely people, and greetings from Augusta, Georgia. I've just recently finished up a workshop here at the fabulous Hepzibah Elementary School, but also friends from Lake Forest Hills Elementary. I'm just so in love with these people and what they're trying to do to make the PYP come to life in their schools. Welcome to confession number 116, where we're going to focus on how do we tickle our learners' brains through our classroom walls and experiences. So welcome to this new series on a PYP classroom success criteria. I'm so excited for this series because I feel like so timely with um, ideas I've recently learned from the pop-up studio edu retreat in Brussels, Belgium with Misty Patterson. And in this workshop, the, uh, Misty took items from around the school to create a welcoming gathering place that was not only flexible, but driven by learner use. And this made me think about a question posed by my friend, Shaila Jadat, the PYP coordinator at the Horizon Japan International School in Kanagawa. She asked, how do we help in tickling the student's brain? What a wonderful way of putting a question together. Tickling the student's brain. That is so centered on curiosity, wonder, and awe. In this episode, we're going to examine how can we tickle our learners' brains through our school day within our walls. And I've had to sit with myself for a moment to think about how I tickle the brains of my learners. And it's a lot more difficult than it sounds because we're considering how to provoke our young people to become excited about what they're learning. Sustaining the passion takes a lot longer um, time-wise and collaborative planning with you know, our learners and our peers, testing out practices, and also reflecting on the practice, which takes a lot of time and effort. And so I'm going to share with you some of the ideas that I have, but please share with me some of yours on Twitter, at ThinkChat2020, or on LinkedIn, at Lou Gerlach, L-U-G-E-R-L-A-C-H. So one of the first things that I do to tickle the learner's brains is providing a teacher provocation. Nothing massages the thinking muscles more than a wonderfully thought out teacher provocation. They don't happen every day, so when they do occur, it's an event and time to you know pay attention. And as an educator, I'd regularly pose a teacher provocation to spark dialogue and assess prior knowledge. And when I was teaching fifth grade at Al Misar American Academy for Girls in Dubai, I taught math and science in middle school. And one day I came to class with a two liter soda bottle filled with water, but there were two holes in it with two nails stuck into the bottle. And I had a bucket below the soda bottle because I knew things would get soon would get very wet, right? And you could have felt the electric energy in the room as I took out one nail within the bottle. I heard the gasps of disbelief when nothing happened. A nail had been removed, but the water remained in the bottle. So I put the nail back into the hole and I went to the second hole and pulled that nail out and nothing happened again. Equal amazement buzzed around the room in disbelief. And as I put the nail back, we discussed what might happen if both nails were removed. 
And everyone was so confused by this point, they didn't know how to answer. And when I removed both nails and the water gushed out of the holes, there were squeals of surprise and confusion. And this is what it means to tickle our learners' brains with a provocation. How about interactive bulletin board design? There are many ways to create a bulletin board, but if we want to tickle the brains of our learners, it's going to have to look differently. It needs to be designed with the learner in mind so they can use it as a learning tool. A purposeful bulletin board allows for redesign, flexibility, and multiple usage. Now, Ms. Wiltz, a kindergarten teacher from my former school, created many interactive bulletin boards in her learning space. If it could not be manipulated by learners, it would go up. And she had one of them for her jobs, goal setting, and learning stations. And one of my favorites was in the hallway where she created an interactive letter soundboard that allowed learners to engage in different ways um, to explore the, you know, the different letters of the alphabet through pictures, um, utilizing that with peers by themselves. And she had a lot of sound and picture games. It was amazing. And it tied with her ed educational goal of the letter sound inventory. But the target was to get learners to authentically engage with language acquisition. Another thing that comes to mind is when, when I was um, teaching in middle school, I would look for opportunities for interactive bulletin boards that were more age appropriate. And I found a whole website I remember at one point of all these interactive math um, bulletin boards from middle school teachers that were just so fun. There were activity sheets, but there were also um, games that the students could play right then and there. And that's what we want. We want the bulletin board to reflect um, active learning because we have active learners. So another idea is talking points between displays. What the heck does that mean? It's about creating a learning story where we have learners reflect and write reflections on how two displays are connected together. This allows them to make connections between subjects and big conceptual ideas. Well, this might change the game in your classroom because learners see the connection between each engagement you're teaching instead of thinking they're, you know, they're fun or they're cool or whatever. And I don't know about you, but this is tickling my brain with new possibilities. So I'm envisioning a child seeing some work that's been displayed by the teacher and they have a little post-it note or a reflection sheet and they're looking at that activity after it's been done. And then connecting it to possibly current work and then writing down a connection between them. How are the ideas connected? And why should this matter? Because that's where we build metacognition, right? And also deep thinkers. Learner work. And this is one of the most controversial. I'm very passionate about displaying learner work, but what is the main purpose? Is it to make your walls look pretty? Is it to show tons of great work? so others can see that you are doing a great job. Think about that one for a minute. Something that has been tickling my brain has been how to display learner work that is co-created 
in design and display. This is more than a bulletin board, but it's about celebrating the learning journey. And as such, I think we should have examples of work in progress so all learners can share in the journey and growth. It's not about being perfect or copying the teacher's ideas to be displayed. And if I see one more reproduction about a country leader or a notable person, I think I might just turn into Rumpelstiltskin, hopping up and down like, and having a rant. No, no more worksheets. Learner work is messy, developmental, and transformative. So how are we tickling our learners' brains to see the difference and strive for growth? How are we showcasing the process of a seed story to a finished product so they can see that it requires work and multiple revisions? This to me is authentic and we need more of this so that as we display our learner work within our classroom and beyond. So now let's talk about the unit wall. Here's an, another question posed by Siba Shekhar, the PYP coordinator of GEMS Modern Academy in Kochi, India. And she made me ponder, I'd like to know different ways to display the progression of the learning throughout the unit. This made me connect to the importance of a well-planned unit of inquiry wall. How do you consider all of the ideas to tickle the learner's brains while creating a unit of inquiry display? There are numerous possibilities, but you have to find the right way for you and your learners. Something I used to do was laminate titles like for the theme, the central ideas, lines of inquiry, ATL, and the learner profile in English and in the second language of the campus. We'd unpack the central idea in our home languages, obviously with parent help, and use the bundling strategy by Kath Murdoch to unpack the rest of the language. For the bundling strategy, I would have learners work in small groups and I would give them one word to unpack. I asked them to look up their word through pictures or videos and music to get a sense of what it meant. And on an index card, they wrote down synonyms that helped them to better understand the term and draw it into action. When the drafts were being made, I'd circulate through the groups to clear up misconceptions so that they didn't choose you know, words out of context. And each group presented their ideas to the rest of us, and they became the expert for that concept. And I'd frequently ask for their help as we explored it further. As we went through the unit, we'd add our own unit of inquiry wall with similar activities to help unpack the big ideas and make relevant questions. For Siba, she may feel that her wondering has not been fully answered. And the rest of this podcast series will go into detail on how to evidence the journey of the unit inquiry. So just hang tight. It's going to be a bumpy ride, I tell you. So what are some common misconceptions about laminating queens and busy bees? Part of our PYP journey is authentically um, making the program come to life in our classrooms. And after visiting many schools throughout the years, there are many earmarks of different types of educators and the classroom environments. The laminating queen literally laminates everything, so they're ready for next year. They usually have the central idea, lines of inquiry, concepts, ATL, learner profile attributes upon a wall like beautiful wallpaper. It's usually typed, visually pleasing, but lacking any personality and student voice. 
Many times it's on the smallest possible bulletin board or cork board in the room so the rest of the walls can capture the real teaching. And after the fourth year of being a laminating queen, I gave up. Each year, like clockwork, something, you know, within the unit of inquiry had to change. And I'd have to throw out the rest of the unit. And we would tweak the center idea or, you know, which meant that basically we would tweak the lines of inquiry, which impacted everything else. And I finally realized that the unit of inquiry will change year to year because our learners' needs, interests, and curiosities change each year. So I stopped laminating everything and just stuck with the headers. Meanwhile, the busy bee is so focused on doing a lot of activities that they fill their bulletin boards and classroom walls with a lot of work. Usually it is work from curriculum materials or worksheets that is artfully displayed, for sure. But when you take a step back, you realize, my goodness, there's no real substance or connection between the learning. It's just a lot of isolated facts that are randomly taught at the same time. And as a former laminating queen and busy bee, I can say that my teaching was not the deepest at times. I hid behind all the materials on the walls because I was scared and didn't know what I was doing. If you're here, it's okay, friends, because this is the one small step in your learning journey, and there are many more ahead. We've got to be kind to ourselves because that's all we've got. I hope this episode has added some food for thought, and next week we're going to continue our journey on a PYP classroom success criteria.